Hello, hello, welcome back to another episode of Rhythm and Range with AJ Artistic where we talk about all things striking and MMA culture. Okay, let's jump into some current events in MMA. Recapping this Justin Gaethje, Edson Barbosa fight. Jesus fucking Christ, that was a fucking barn burner. I mean, we heard Justin Gaethje say in the in the pre-fight interviews he wanted to test, see who, let's see whose bones are harder, let's see. And, and fuck did that motherfucker come out and just straight start banging with Edson Barbosa. I mean, they were going leg kick for fucking leg kick. And who knows? I, Edson might have got the better of those leg kicks because Justin Gaethje, I mean, he was the first one to stop throwing leg kicks, if I'm not mistaken, which I don't think I am. And so they were coming out banging... Lots of good exchanges, good rally, but it seems like Justin Gaethje just had the edge once they got into the hands because Edson Barbosa, it seems like all his hands have always just been there to not, just to set up his kicks, basically. He's just trying to set up his kicks with his hands. They're never that deadly. So, Justin Gaethje, though, has real motherfucking power in his hands, so he just came in, boom, was, 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 he, I think he did stun Edson once or twice previous to that, too. And he, a lot of people were saying too, which I also observed that Justin didn't just rush in like he always usually does. I mean, he st- he heard him, saw that he heard him, and kind of took the Vitor Belfort approach mostly, and kind of just stayed on the edge of the range, stayed right there on the outside where he couldn't be touched, but he could still move in if he needed to. And and then he just and then he he does something I like to do where you. You step off to one side, leaving your opponent only one route of escape. So Justin Gaethje kind of shuffles. It was like not even a full shuffle. It was like more of a half shuffle off to his right. I can't remember what he threw right before. It was probably like a jab or a left feint. Excuse me. And he shuffles, half shuffles off to his left side just enough to get Edson to, if you're Justin Gaethje and you're looking, you're facing Edson, he half shuffles to the left just enough to get uh, Edson Barbosa to circle out to Justin's right. And he just tats the perfect time for that overhand, or it's also a perfect time for a, a left spinning back fist or a right high kick or a right overhand punch, which is exactly what Justin threw. And he got Edson's weight moving right into that fucking hit. Oh, it was fucking beautiful. Boom. I'm not a super fan of overhands, but I mean, shit, man, I couldn't ask for a better. That was an exciting fucking round. I was hoping it would go at least two. I didn't think it would be a decision fight, or it would go. It wouldn't go the distance by any means. However, man, I wish it would have went a little longer. <clears throat> Justin just came in with bat. We haven't even ever seen Justin Gaethje use his wrestling either. Imagine when he. Had... And so this is a segue into my next topic: is that. I agree with everybody else basically in the media right now that Justin Gaethje is the toughest fucking fight for Khabib. I hope, I hope, I hope he's like our, our American, he's like our American hope. He's the only thing we have. I think he can get it done because look, if Khabib can't take Justin down, which he's a solid motherfucker, I don't think anybody can really, I mean, we haven't seen it attempted yet, but if Khabib can't take Justin down, he's kind of fucked. Like, dude, you're going to get fucking, you're going to get smacked. Justin's going to, he has power and he's durable as fuck, has a chin. I don't think Khabib hits him with anything that gives him even remotely any trouble. 
And dang, Justin Gage, he might just be the motherfucker to knock out Khabib or stop Khabib or at least get a decision. Who knows? But I want to see that fight now. All of a sudden, I mean, my gosh. All right, I'm. Let's move along to the Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway. I'm gonna fucking give my thoughts on this. I just watched the fight about an hour ago or 30, 45 minutes ago, just to get a fresh look at it, fresh eyes, because I wanted to see what I would see, and I mean. And honestly, I was fucking surprised. Because if you go back and you watch that fight, Dustin, Max come out, they're exchanging, and it looks pretty fucking even. Because when I was thinking about it in my head, I was like, oh yeah, I think Dustin probably had the advantage in all areas of the fight. But then when you go back and you watch it, I mean, Jesus Christ, in round one, so I don't think it even, it didn't even go round two rounds, it was in round one round. <clears throat> So they come out, they're both countering really fucking well. Uh, Dustin's doing a really good job of timing his left straight, and he's landing a couple times. However, Max is not, he's no slouch, and I think a lot of people would be surprised if they went back and watched this fight, as I was. Uh, Max was doing a really fucking good job, surprisingly, with throwing his flying knees. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, you wouldn't be, a, that's not necessarily a strike you think that you could have great success with, especially on a multiple account basis, like, uh, like throw something, flying knee, strike, 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 flying knee, like, it's kind of a more of a, like, you know, you want to save that in, and on, so, in yeah, your back pocket in case you need it. a motherfucker of a technique, man, and so, and then, moving on, you see... So, Max was actually doing a lot better fucking job than I thought with the striking. And I thought going, like, just based off that Brian Ortega fight, you think, oh, god damn, Max is about to fucking, you know, he's fucking, I, I was thinking, dang, like, it was probably more toward Max. I don't know, because I'm a longtime Dustin Poirier fan. But then going back and you look at it, it was pretty fucking even in the striking. They were doing a lot of good job with straight punches, but one thing I will say about Max... He was doing great with the right uppercut to left hook combo. Classic Dutch combo. You know, boom, boom. They teach that. It's a staple. It's a classic staple <clears throat> in Muay Thai, especially Dutch kickboxing as well. And he was landing that shit on Dustin Poirier pretty nice. And I and I, I believe, just judging off the body language and, and how Dustin decided to shoot in on a takedown, I believe Max kind of forced Dustin to consider at least attempting the takedown because Dustin did attempt the takedown. So, but I wonder, did he attempt the takedown just because he wanted to mix it up at that point? Or did he attempt the takedown because he felt that maybe, just maybe, Max was getting the better of him or starting to get his rhythm and maybe get into that flow state like we saw him versus uh, Brian Ortega. So... Did, did Dustin Poirier think to himself in that moment, damn, this motherfucker is pretty good on the feet and better than I expected. And then Dustin immediately locks up, locks the hands behind the back, double leg, picks Max up, slams him down on the floor, lands in I think a half guard or I think it, like, it was like a half guard and he just moves right into full mount. He just slips right over. Then he starts following up with fucking vicious elbows and it's he cuts Max and I'm like holy shit and 
Dustin strikes are they're you know how it is when somebody's mounted they start giving up their back so he forces Max to consider giving up his back and Max is tr starting to turn but then he realizes fuck that's not the right move so he starts turning like he's like halfway between mountain back mountain Dustin's just, with one hand just shovel punching shovel hooking and shots boom boom to Max and then when Max is like halfway in that mid scramble section that's when Dustin slaps on the arm bar and it looked over it looked fucking over but because Max has such a great heart <clears throat> He starts scrambling more, and Dustin adjusts. Dustin adjusts, and he slaps on the triangle. And maybe Max could have fought at that point, but the smart thing by by Dustin is that he he posts he based off his right arm, and then he he spun Max over onto Max's back and into a full mount triangle. And he was also bending the arm. It was over from there. And so Dustin wins by. Mounted triangle, first round. <clears throat> People are saying, oh, are we going to see a different fight? Are we going to see a different fight? Grappling-wise, I think is where we're going to see the biggest difference. It did seem like, again, I can only speak on the striking. So, I don't, I mean, I'm learning about the grappling, but... It seemed like, I guess you could, you could make a case that Max might have made some... A little bit of, uh, not rookie mistakes, but just some, you know, inexperienced grappling mistakes in that he allowed Dustin to lock his hands behind his back so quickly. <clears throat> and then also when he got put on his back, he didn't, he didn't stop Dustin from moving right. Not only did Dustin slam him, but Dustin didn't even have to go to side control. He just flipped over right to mount. I think it happened so quick that Max didn't even realize that and he was just all of a sudden mounted. He tried, he says, oh, I was only 21, I mean, but okay, like, you should have had the grappling experience that time, I don't care, like, you're in the UFC, you should know how to fucking uh, stop somebody from getting from half guard straight to mount, you should at least make them go to side control first, in my opinion. <clears throat> Anyways, so, I mean, what do you, th what do you think about that shit? Do you think... I think we see a great fucking striking battle in the first two rounds at least. I think Dustin, I mean, Max, first of all, he's not going to leg kick Dustin the way that Justin Gaethje did. So Dustin doesn't really have to worry about that. Not saying he doesn't have to think about it or be aware of it. However, I don't think the threat is much, it's not as much of a leg kick threat when you're fighting Max Holloway if, if you're Justin Gaethje. So what do you do? If you're Dustin, you need to get inside to a closer range and work your your left straight and right hook. I think Dustin, nobody's talking about this. Nobody's saying anything about the fact that Dustin, I think, is going to have a natural a psychological advantage. Because, again, when you when you get to the top levels of this sport, or of any sport, of any performance in all walks of life, when you get to the top levels, the only difference is in mental performance and in the psychology of how you perform performance psychology if you will <clears throat> so Dustin I think has an advantage and nobody I don't I'm, I'm not sure if people aren't talking about it just because they think it'll take away from the fight and they won't not not as many people will tune in people are trying to play it down because it's the interim title fight who gives a fuck the interim title that means you're next to fight Khabib so who cares you gotta take that shit you gotta take that shit no matter what so that being said, Dustin has a great psychological edge coming into the fight. He's already beat this man. However, 
the max people want to talk about Aldo people want to talk about all that shit the max we saw versus Brian Ortega is the max if you're dust if you're Dustin Poirier that's the max you need to be worried about because that max was able to sit at range and pick pick just pit fucking not pit pat but just pop shot his opponent all fucking night and if Dustin doesn't utilize feints because when somebody's that good at striking the only way to offset their rhythm the only way to and especially if they're the longer arms the longer fighter the only way to get inside is to faint those motherfuckers out It is easier said than done, trust me. Because it's a, it's a motherfucker fighting a longer, taller guy. Which I'm pretty sure Max... I'm thinking he's a little taller. I think he has longer arms. However, when I'm watching that, when I rewatched the first fight, Dustin looked way fucking bigger than Max. But I don't think Max had put on more of his... Uh, more of his mature weight at the time I think I mean he was 21 but I don't care you're still a fucking fighter in the UFC one of the youngest fighters I think the youngest fighter to ever compete in the UFC so it's just like it's it just baffles my fucking mind (laughs) but it's gonna be a great fucking fight everybody should fucking tune into this shit and even though Dustin won I it can go either way like I said, I think if Max stays at range and, and pop shots Dustin into into oblivion, into into frustration, and get in his head a bit, start doing his thing where he starts he starts getting uh he starts gesturing at his opponent when he point either he points to the center or he starts putting his hands out. He he doesn't put his hands out all the way to the side as like kind of John Jones esque. However, he he'll put his arms up and out as if to signify like just. It's almost like a praying mantis. He just looks bigger when he does that. And I think that has a fucking effect on his opponents, and not a lot of people are talking about it. So, all right, that's my Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway preview. Uh, I can't fucking wait for this fight. It's April 27th, I believe, or April 18th. It's one of those. You'll fucking find it. Anyways, that's going to be a fucking great-ass, great fucking fight. So... That does it for that. Let's move on into the sports psych insights for the day. So these are from the the book, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. Uh, I went into this on the last episode, some insights from this book, and I'm just going to keep going because this book is one of my favorites of all times. Of all time. Excuse me. What the fuck? <laughs> so number one, let's go. Winners learn to accept the swing they bring to the course on any given day and to score with it. Now, this is fucking genius in that it's just really, it's the reality of sport. You can't just rely, you can't just bank on the fact that you're going to come in on your best days and just, uh, when you're going to, when you feel great, you're going to play great and then that's how it's going to be every single day because guess what? That's not how it fucking goes. Some days you just flat out don't want to fucking be there you don't feel good nothing about your mental state is right and what do you do i think those are the days too that you learn the most about yourself because if you manage to get yourself you pull yourself up to the you say stop being a fucking pussy and you get to the excuse my language i guess which really not i get but anyways you get yourself to the gym on those days when you don't want to be there, and you and and if you perform, if you perform good on those days, 
that's when you really realize, holy shit, like, I got something here. Or I learned something about myself. I overcame that fucking hurdle. I, sh- I punched that adversity in the face when it was eating at my soul because it's like a parasite. It's like a seed of doubt. It creeps into your fucking mind and it just makes you, it's like, no, stay home. Don't fucking go to practice. I don't know. That's how it was for me anyways, but I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. So, yes. Doesn't matter how the fuck you're feeling. I don't give... Nobody cares. Learn to accept the swing you have on any given day and to score with it. You have to be able to score as much on your worst fucking days as on your best. There ain't no way around it. And if you can score on your worst days, you can score on your best days. It should just feed your cycle of confidence. Which it will, and it does. Second... He knew that if he reacted to a bad shot by getting more careful, it wouldn't be better. It would make his shot more tentative. This is so key, especially in fighting too. You see fighters, say for example, they throw a head kick. It kind of glances their opponent, catches it at the same time, and their opponent puts them on their back. Now all of a sudden, they're in full guard. Then what happens? Some guys, you see, the guys that you see affected by this, they're not going to throw any more fucking head kicks for the rest of the fight because they're too worried about being put on their back. I say fuck that. That's bullshit. You should have a ground game that's good. Like Don Cerrone is a perfect example. Carlos Condit, perfect examples. Your ground game should be so nasty, especially off your back, that you're free to throw fucking head kicks galore. You can throw head kicks till the fucking sun goes down. And that's how it should be. I don't understand when guys just refuse to to train off their back or refuse to, to get better off their back. And that's something I want to work. I'm trying to get. I want to be like Crone Gracie. I want to be Brian Ortega off my back. I want to be Tony Ferguson off my back. I want to be that level. And for a striker to have that mentality is killer. You need that shit. So, yes. You'd, get, you'd never, ever, ever fucking ever react to a bad shot by getting more careful. Again, I always come back to this one specific example in fighter when it comes to getting tentative and careful. GSP. Sorry, I don't give a fuck. GS fucking P. He gets too tentative. He gets too careful. He's just trying to point fight. Especially if... I mean, not not to say that he didn't have some great fucking victories when he came out early in his career and was finishing guys by head kick, knockout, essentially. Fucking submission. At least submit a guy. Choke a guy out. That's why I was happy and I was not mad at all when he choked out Mike Bisping. Because not only did he rock him with the left hook on the feet, but then he finished. He went down and finished classic MMA victory. Rock him on the feet, finish on the floor with a choke. That's a classic... Uh, a to B C victory if you're uh, for an MMA fighter. So that was great. But then what? There's a large fucking chunk in the center of that in the middle of that whole run that he had, where he was really just doing the bare minimum in order to retain his title. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sorry, especially here on Rhythm and Range. You know we love the motherfucking strikers, baby. And what was he doing? Striking just enough to get points and blah, 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 take down, lay and pray, tap, 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 hold you, tap, tap, tap. Fuck that. Anyways. Yeah. 
Never ever react to a bad shot by getting more careful because it's not going to make your shot better. It's going to make it worse because you're going to become more tentative. You're not going to want to try as many risks. You're not going to you're not going to fight your fight. You're not going to have your offense. For a fighter especially, you need to have your offense and you need to have it immediately. It's not good to wait. It's not good to watch. If you listen to some of the earlier episodes, I talk about this before. Fighters who get caught watching are dead. You get caught dying. You're dead. That's it. You can't, especially at the highest levels of the sport, guys are so good at making you watch different, watch shit that you're going to end up knocked the fuck out. All right. So, one little other side tip I want to talk about. Really interesting. Like, I, all right. When an opponent throws a leg kick, people should fuck need to blitz right after that kick passes. I remember in sparring, a little sparring story for you. There was a longer, taller, longer kid, you know, good, more experienced than me, probably by about three and a half years. We're kickboxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, sparring, and we're going, we're going, and then he would throw a kick and then spin all the way around, almost expecting, like, as if I wasn't going to hit him. Like, bro, what the fuck do you think this is? I hate it, and you still see it up in the UFC levels. It goes up to the highest levels. I don't understand it. Fighters let other fighters get away with shit that I would never fucking ever let happen. <laughs> so, like when fighters throw a low leg, uh, say a lead leg kick with their lead leg and it, to whatever leg of their opponent, and it doesn't miss, and they end up losing using the momentum to spin all the way around. And their opponent just watches him spin and lets him reset and come back at him. Fuck that. What are you doing? This is warfare. This is deception. This is... You have to disrupt everything your fucking opponent is doing. So I would let the league leg fly past me. And as soon as that lead, as that leg kick passed my lead knee, I would just rush. Do-do-do-do-do. Almost a Wonder Boy style karate blitz. Because... I mean, the fastest way to get to your opponent is a straight fucking line at the end of the day. So, and and I would beat, I would not beat, but I would score and I would rack up points on way more experienced fighters because they were just way, they were just way too used to doing this shit and I just can't understand it. <laughs> Anyways, blitz after the missed leg kick, people, especially if your opponent turns his back, turns all the way around and turns his back to you, you can take advantage of that momentary time Rhythm and range, baby. Take advantage of that rhythm. Rhythm meaning timing. It's there for the taking. So, yeah, that's it for this episode. Episode 7 of Rhythm and Range. Remember, anytime you're scrolling through your phone and you open up Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Spotify, anything, just know, make sure to check in and check out the latest Rhythm and Range insights. All right, this is AJ Artistic. Peace out.